For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 19 of the series. Now we need to understand what happened at Mount Sinai. There was a marriage that took place at Mount Sinai, and we're going to give you the background to understand Yeshua's conversation with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. So to begin to get this background, we need to realize that at Mount Sinai, there was a marriage made between the bridegroom, who is Yahweh Yeshua, and his bride, that is the house of Jacob. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 2, it is written, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your espousal. Espousal is the Strong's number 3623 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It's the Hebrew word kalula, and it means betrothal or espousal. When you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. So what we're being told here is that in the wilderness at Mount Sinai, it was the time of espousal, a time of betrothal. There are two main stages of a biblical marriage. The first is betrothal. During betrothal, you are legally married to your spouse, but you do not physically dwell with them. And this is what happened at Mount Sinai. And Nesuin is when you complete the marriage, and it's the second stage of the marriage, and this will be fulfilled in the Messianic era when Yeshua physically comes and dwells and lives with the 12 tribes united who is regarded as being his bride. Now, if there was a marriage that took place at Mount Sinai between the bridegroom, Yahweh Yeshua, and his bride, the house of Jacob, there needs to be a wedding proposal. We find this wedding proposal in Exodus in chapter 19, verse 3 and verse 5, as it is written. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So this is a proposal that was made to the entire house of Jacob, all 12 tribes. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, that means to follow the Torah, then you'll be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now, was this marriage proposal accepted? Yes. The house of Jacob 
says, I do, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Well, in a biblical marriage, there is a marriage contract that is known as the ketubah. It states the terms and the conditions of the marriage. So in this marriage between Yahweh Yeshua, who is the bridegroom, and his bride, the house of Jacob, the ketubah is seen as being the Torah. And the Torah states the terms and the conditions of the marriage. And in the ketubah, in the Torah, it stated blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. And the curses come about by being unfaithful to the covenant terms. So we see in Ezekiel in chapter 16 that the house of Jacob breaks the covenant and has become an adulterous wife. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, verses 28 and 29, it is written, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. You have played the whore also with the Assyrians. That is what the northern kingdom did, the ten tribes, or the house of Israel. Because you are insatiable, yea, you have played the harlot with them, and you could not be satisfied. You have moreover multiplied your fornication in the land of Canaan with Chaldea, and yet you was not satisfied therein. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 30, 32, 35, and 38, it is written, How weak is your heart, says the Lord God, seeing that you do all these things, the work of an imperious, whorish woman. But as a wife that commits adultery, which takes strangers instead of her husband, wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. I will judge you as a woman that breaks wedlock. In the art scroll of the 12 prophets, in the overview to the book of Hosea, on page 29, it will explain that the relationship between the God of Israel and his people is likened unto a marriage relationship. Hosea's book starts with God's command to marry a loose woman. It symbolizes the deteriorating relationship between God and Israel over the years from Sinai and in the time of the prophet. The original closeness between them is described allegorically in Sher Hashirim or the Song of Songs. Lyrically, it describes the ecstatic relationship of a loving bride and groom, and our sages compare the revelation at Sinai to a marriage ceremony. And so here this affirms that it is seen that at Mount Sinai there was a marriage made between the bridegroom, who we understand to be the God of Israel, Yahweh Yeshua, with his bride, that is the house of Jacob. Now in the art scroll on the Song of Solomon, Sher HaSharim, on the introduction on page 67, it further explains regarding this concept. The prophets frequently likened the relationship between God and Israel to that of a loving husband estranged by a straying wife who betrayed him. Solomon composed Sher HaSharim in the form of the same allegory. It is a passionate dialogue between the husband, God, who still loves his exiled wife, Israel, and the veritable widow of a loving husband. 2 Samuel in chapter 20 and verse 3, who longs for her husband and seeks to endear herself to him once more, as she recalls her youthful love for him and admits her guilt. This is the background that we need to understand Yeshua's conversation with the woman at the well in John in chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it is written, He, Yeshua, 
left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. In the book, The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 186, the book explains who the Samaritans are. And it says that they are descended from the Ephraimites, that is the northern kingdom or the ten tribes, who had intermingled or intermarried with the Assyrian colonists or the Assyrian empire. Sychar means drunken. In John chapter 4 verse 5, then came he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar. And this is the Strong's number 4965 in the Strong's Greek dictionary. And you can see there that the definition of the word means drunken. So he's in Samaria at a place called drunken. And this is an allusion or a reference to the northern kingdom or Ephraim who Isaiah regards as being a drunkard. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim. Isaiah 28 verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink. Strong drink is the Strong's number 7941 and it's the Hebrew word shakar. means an intoxicating drink. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Idolatry is regarded as drunkenness. Ezekiel chapter 23 verses 4 and 5 and verses 32 and 33 it is written. Samaria that is the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the ten tribes is Ohalah. And Ohalah or Samaria or Ephraim or the ten tribes played the harlot when she was mine and she doted on her lovers on the Assyrians her neighbors. Thus says the Lord God you shall drink of your sister's cup deep and large you will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow. So by playing the harlot with the Assyrians the judgment or the penalty is you are going to be filled with drunkenness. In John chapter 4 Yeshua in Samaria at the place of the name of the city which means drunkenness he confronts a woman who has committed adultery. In John chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 it is written Yeshua said to her go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said I have no husband. Yeshua said to her you have well said I have no husband for you have five husbands and he whom you now have is not your husband and that you said truthfully. Yeshua then gives living water to the woman at the well who has committed adultery. John chapter 4 verse 7 and verses 9 and 10. Then came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Yeshua said to her give me to drink. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him how is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews now prophetically this is a reference to the Jews or Judaism have no dealings with Samaritans and prophetically the northern kingdom were prophesied in Hosea in chapter 1 to be sons of the living God which is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah John chapter 1 verse 12 and so Jews traditional Judaism doesn't have anything to do with who they regard as Christians who here is represented by the Samaritans and Yeshua answered and said unto her if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you give me to drink you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. John chapter 4 verse 11 verses 13 and 14. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From where then do you have this living water? Yeshua answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water, that is natural water, will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water, the living water, the spiritual water that I will give him, shall 
shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Yeshua is that living water. Yeshua is the well of salvation. Isaiah in chapter 12 in verses 2 and 3 it is written, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Therefore with joy you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. Yeshua is Yahweh and you draw salvation from him. The exiles of Israel in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 10 are shown mercy in their giving springs of water. In Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10 it is written, They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that has mercy on them will lead them. Even by springs of water shall he guide them. Who is the one that's going to show mercy to the exiles of Israel? It's Yeshua the Messiah. So he that has mercy on them will lead them by springs of water. In John chapter 4 verse 15 and verses 25 and 26, we see here that Yeshua reveals to the woman that he is the Messiah. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The woman said unto him, I know that Messiah, when he comes, who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Yeshua said unto her, I that speak unto you am he. I am the Messiah. And so we see here then that in John chapter 4, the woman of Samaria represents the northern kingdom. And her having these husbands represents the northern kingdom who went after the gods of the nations of the world. And in going after other gods, the northern kingdom was likened unto not having good common sense like someone who is drunk. And so Yeshua showing that his ministry is to reveal himself as the Messiah to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the ten tribes, he reveals himself as the Messiah to the woman at the well and she drinks of his living water. She believes that he is the Messiah. Next, we're going to look at John chapter 8 wherein here we have an account where Yeshua forgives the sin of an adulterous woman. In John chapter 8 verses 3 and verses 7 and 9 it is written, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Yeshua was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. In John chapter 8, verse 8 and verses 10 and 11, it is written, And again he, Yeshua, stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. When Yeshua had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Yeshua said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So this woman here who has committed adultery is a spiritual picture of the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, the exiles of Israel. They committed spiritual idolatry and adultery by breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai with their bridegroom, that is Yahweh Yeshua. But Yeshua is going to die on the tree for the purpose of forgiving the sins of his people who he's in covenant with and who broke the covenant and in offering forgiveness of sins to his bride, that is the house of Jacob, 
Jacob who broke the covenant at Mount Sinai, he is also going to be offering forgiveness of sins to the entire world if she would repent. And so Yeshua says, he who is not guilty of sinning, of committing adultery against the God of Israel, sin is committing adultery against the God of Israel, cast the first stone. There was nobody there to cast the stone. So Yeshua says, I don't condemn you if you repent of your sins. What you need to do is go and sin no more. And if you go and sin no more, then you're going to repent of your sin and Yeshua has promised forgiveness of that sin. In John in chapter 8, in verse 8, we're told that Yeshua stooped and wrote on the ground. In John chapter 8, it doesn't say literally what he wrote, but he's making a reference to Jeremiah in chapter 17 in verses 12 through 14, where it is written, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel. The word hope there is the Hebrew word mikvah, which means immersion. O Lord, the immersion bath of Israel. All that forsake you will be ashamed and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth. So what did his accusers do? They walked away. He's making a reference that all that forsake him, all that don't believe in him will be ashamed and they will be written in the earth because they forsaken Yahweh, the fountain of living waters. Who's Yahweh that's the fountain of living waters? It is Yeshua, the Messiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. It is the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel. In John chapter 10, verse 14, Yeshua said, I am the good shepherd. And the role of the good shepherd is to lay down his life to die for the protection of the sheep. And here in John chapter 10, Yeshua is speaking to Pharisees who would be the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or personified as the Jewish people. And in speaking to them, he says these words in John chapter 10, verse 16, other sheep I have, not other sheep I will have after I die and they believe that I'm the Messiah. At the time that I'm speaking these words, before he dies on the tree, he says he has another sheepfold. How is this possible? Only if Yahweh Yeshua is the bridegroom who made a marriage offer to his bride, the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai. And it was there that the house of Jacob became his. The house of Jacob became the bridegroom's wife. And so he says, I have this other sheepfold that's not this sheepfold. He's speaking to Judah. Them also I must bring. I need to redeem them. And they will hear my voice, meaning they'll believe that I'm the Messiah and they'll follow my Torah. And there will be one fold, that is the uniting of Ephraim and Judah, and one shepherd. Yeshua just said he's the good shepherd of the two sheepfolds. And then in declaring that Yeshua has two sheepfolds and these two sheepfolds are to be one, and there's going to be one shepherd, that is Yeshua, over them, he connects this thought with John chapter 10 verse 17, therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life. Why is Yeshua laying down his life? To take two sheepfolds and to make them one, that's the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel, of which he's going to be the good shepherd over. When Yeshua said that he's the good shepherd, he was making a reference or an allusion to Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 and 13, where there we're told what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd gathers the sheep from the nations where they've been scattered. The good shepherd gathers the exiles of Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 11 and verse 13, it is written, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I'm going to 
search my sheep and seek them out. I'm going to bring them into their own land. The good shepherd gathers the sheep and brings them into their own land. That is the nation of Israel. In John chapter 11, verses 49 through 51, Caiaphas, the high priest, prophesies that Yeshua is going to die for a particular nation, as it is written. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said on them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation. What nation is Caiaphas prophesying that Yeshua would die for? It is the southern kingdom. It is the house of Judah. It is the Jewish people. Because in John chapter 11, verse 52, he says, and not for that nation only. So Caiaphas prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation, but not that nation only. So how many nations is he dying for? He's dying for two nations. And how are they described? That he would gather together in one, the children of God scattered abroad. So Yeshua is dying for two nations who are the children of God, who are scattered abroad and become one. Yeshua is dying on the tree to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. And that is what his ministry was about at his first coming. And he's going to complete the messianic task at his second coming. So when Yeshua is healing the lepers, when he's forgiven the sins of those that commit adultery, that the lepers and, and those who are adulterous is a prophetic picture of the spiritual status of the exiles of Israel. And he's declaring that he's going to forgive the sins of the exiles of Israel and he's going to bring restoration unto them. Now, given that it's the Messiah who gathers and unites the 12 tribes of Israel, after Yeshua was resurrected in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, being seen in them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, he was asked this question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore would come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They asked if he was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Well, you can't restore something unless it originally was, and then it got into a deteriorated condition, and then you're going to restore it to how it originally was. So what is the original kingdom to Israel that's being referred to here? It is when David ruled over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem. But following the days of David and Solomon, the kingdom was divided into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And from the division between northern kingdom and southern kingdom, they've never been united. Well, the prophets of Israel says that the exiles of Israel are going to be united in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 15 through 28, and return to the land of Israel. Who's going to do that? That is the role and the task and the function of the Messiah. Well, those who Yeshua is addressing in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, they know he's the Messiah. He's resurrected. He's shown himself to them with many infallible proofs. So they have a question. You're the Messiah, and the Messiah gathers the 12 tribes of Israel. When are you going to do it? That's the question that they ask him in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. So Yeshua tells how the process is going to be from his first coming. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Yeshua answers, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. You will receive power, miracle working power, to be my witness of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. That is the domain of the house of Judah or the southern kingdom. And in Samaria, 
Well, that's going to conclude part 19 of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S T R A S B U R G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.